Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of the Fundamentalists Podcast. My name is Elliot Morgan. I'm here with one of my best friends in the world, one of my favorite people in the world, one of the smartest people in the world, I Peter Rollins. I feel about you, sir. Thank you so much. Well, some of those you do, and I think that they're all fair, and thank you. Uh, Guys, this is very exciting. You guys know this about us. Sometimes, oops, we take a week off. We take a couple weeks off. You know how it goes. Part of that is because sometimes we love postponing, and other times it's because we do episodes that end up being a little shorter, not quite as meaty. We think, hey, let's hold off till we have something really crazy to talk about. Well, guess what? Ladies and gentlemen, just yesterday... It was Peter Rollins' birthday. It happens. It Happy happens. birthday, yeah, Pete. Thank you, sir. Cheers. Cheers. This is um. Congrats. This is a gin that was bought by Elliot for my birthday. So mm-hmm. a Japanese gin called was it Ruku Ruku. I can't remember the name. Well, of it's it. available at Target. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And you're welcome. And uh, wow, that is a Jenny. Well, goodness, strong one. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, but we thought for Pete's birthday, Pete had this idea, and he'll explain what made him come to this idea. But we are going to get into the subject of all subjects, the why of all whys, the biggest question all of us have ever had throughout our entire lives. That's what we're doing to make up for a brief couple weeks of absence, as well as to let. Pete express things in a very direct way that I'm sure will not be cheeky at all and will be right on the money, I bet. Yes, 100%. Uh, absolutely. But, guys, that's not all. Are you ready for this? Pete, I have another birthday present for you. Okay. Well, Pete, I thought that I should get you the kind of present that I always give that my favorite kind of present to give to people which is the kind that benefits me as well Mm -hmm. but even more so it might benefit you guys guys we have officially as of the day we have uploaded this podcast launched our patreon patreon.com slash the fundamentalists it is a soft launch listen to holy sunday is it? Is it it's yeah, Good Friday, Holy Sunday. This will go out on Sunday. Is 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 Easter this? Yeah, I think Easter is this Friday, right after April Fools. Yeah, I mean that's very like Christ-like. <laughs> yeah, it pops up right at the end. Uh, but yes, we are doing a Patreon. It, we have not fleshed it out yet. It is bare bones. I'm very excited about it. If He's been very generous, giving me twenty percent of exactly. anything we make. Yes, you know, that's the that's very good birthday right. present. And you manage you. the podcast, <laughs> and managers typically get fifteen percent. So we'll just put that out there. It's a huge gift. No, of course not. <laughs> It's going to be very fun. We have a, my goal with it. I'm so excited about this because I like the idea. It is a dream to me to be able to build some kind of a community that continues conversations uh, about all this stuff we like to talk about on this podcast. Pete is a master of uh, Freud and Lacan and psychoanalysis. I'm learning more and more about Jung and my uh, uh, journey toward a PhD uh, in depth psychology. I'm very excited about it. I'm excited to talk about these things more in depth, more frequently, and in more types of ways. And in order to do that, we're going to do the Patreon and all the uh, many of the proceeds. We're just going to make it a better podcast. And it's also going to be um you also want that yacht i also want the yacht and that's what i'm excited about and if 20 people sign up i will get the yacht (laughs) and i will put it all the money toward it um and also if you are a patron of peter or if you're a patron of the valley folk please do not take this as a uh hey hop 
shit because that doesn't help that no doesn't that doesn't help any of us don't do that, uh, don't do that. <laughs> but if um, you uh, are interested in the Jung Freud conversation you're interested in this podcast you're interested in seeing what kind of live stuff we can do streaming stuff we can do I thought about having a really expensive tier where we do bad therapy on people oh, like we good. like like uh, one of the higher tiers on Patreon and then they send us their problems and we send them bad advice and bad therapy together and yeah. we just price it for the it's gonna be hard know. to get insurance for that Exactly. <laughs> It'll be a lot. I think we have to label it bad, unofficial, detrimental, won't help you therapy. But yeah. stuff like that will be very fun and very uh, silly. So if you would like to sign up, patreon.com slash the fundamentalists. Um, but we're keeping it quiet. We're, it's going to look ugly when you go see it. I'm sorry about that. But uh, stay tuned. And if you don't feel like signing up now or you can't, of course, don't worry about it. But happy birthday, Pete. That's just Thank for you. you. Thank That's you. That's half for you. I appreciate that. And not a penny more. Not a, what's that? Not a penny more. Not a penny more. And if. It's really for people who like the two of us together. That there's people who follow you primarily through Valley Folk, mm-hmm. support you there. If people are mostly interested in me, support me on mine. Yes. But if people are kind of like, no, we're we're mentalists, uh, then that's where you mentalists. The mentalists. I like that. Are our, I thought about calling um, them fundamentalists. Oh, fundamentalists. But I don't but, like the word fan. Yeah, yeah. Do no, I like placating. mentalist? I think that's a more derogatory. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> the point is, it's a nice community, yes, and it's yes. very exciting. <laughs> yeah. But so, if you enjoy this podcast, if you're interested to see more, if you want to get involved, of course, go do it. Now, mm. let's dive in, yes. Pete. You are you're 37 years old. 38 now. 38. 38 I'm so sorry. I know yeah. you love to say younger age, Pete. You're 38 years old. Do you mind if I ask? You don't care. How old are you? <laughs> I have no idea. I just said 48. Oh, did you say 48? Yeah. What I did thought you, you said 38. Oh, no, sorry. I thought you said 38. Which was very 48. funny. I thought I said 37, and then you said, no, I'm 38. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's funny. He that's said it. He said I want to be more. 38. Yeah. Yeah, 48. Well, maybe I feel like 38 because I'm 48. But um, this living in Los Angeles, you can feel younger than ever. Yeah, it'll catch up with you. If yeah, you're not. it catches up with you eventually. I had a conversation with my partner a few weeks ago where I was like, I feel like we like look really young. Like mm. we like are, I, are we, I don't look as old. As, as I am. And she was like, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah, like, just nah. in our heads, we, we, we probably don't, look, I know. we probably look older than we think we do. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, that happens. But yeah, I'm 48 and I started my work, my official work at 17. So it's been 30 years, 31 years now of doing the, the work that I've been doing. Wow. So that's why whenever you mentioned about this podcast and we were going to do it yesterday on my birthday and then my friend Daniel, thank you, Daniel, brought me out for this beautiful breakfast and gave me drinks and then Wonderful. we canceled but i thought we did oh, cancel because you told me i gotta get through this yes <laughs> that is daniel that is a daniel bedingfield is the friend i'm talking about great musician and that's one of his most famous songs if pete doesn't name drop i will for him yeah <laughs> yeah daniel's been mentioned just on the first name <laughs> for a few times really, but yeah. now it's it's revealed who he is yeah i love it. I, was, I was talking to i was texting the other day yesterday and i was like I think Pete's having fun with Daniel. I got this going on. I, I think I get to read more of my books that are about, I said fairy tales because I'm reading books on myth right now. And yeah. I was like, this is the strangest text I've ever said in my life. But I was very happy that you guys were having fun together. Yes. Anyway. But please. yeah, but I thought, oh, ah, this is a great birthday thing. We could look at uh, my work a little bit. And then it's Easter Sunday when it comes out. And I was thinking the question of God. And there was another reason why it popped into my head is because I have some friends in Belfast and they have a friend in Los Angeles, a guy called Ryan, uh, who listens to the podcast. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. And 
uh, my friend said, oh, you should go around, meet him and his family. And, and so I did. And we were sitting down chatting. And he asked me the question uh, about God. He said, you're Brass a theologian, tax. a philosopher. What do you think about God? And you do this thing called parotheology. And we had this very crazy back and forth conversation and it took a while, and I thought, okay, this is a question. I, I, the first you should be prepped for this question. <laughs> well, the first time I really got it, is that there's a journalist from the BBC called William Crawley, a good friend of mine, and he interviewed me in Belfast many years ago. I don't think the interview exists, but his description of the interview is somewhere on the internet. And um, he asked me this question, and it took two hours of just back and forth, and he was no clearer at the end than at the beginning. Perfect. And Ryan was no clearer at the end of the conversation than at the beginning. <clears throat> Wonderful. So I came home and I had a dream uh, and I woke up from the dream and I thought, I think I can explain what I think about God in an in a easy way that we can unpack and then people will be listening to this on Easter Sunday. Very appropriate. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, I have so many questions. Yes. I have one big one. Okay. Do you believe in God? Well, let's get started. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, first things first, and we'll take our time. Let's take our time. Sure. Us, right. Philosophy, one of the ways to think about philosophy is philosophy is the science of concepts, right? So you know, biology studies, biological organisms, and physics studies the, not the universe, the natural world. Um, philosophy starts with ideas, concepts. So a philosopher doesn't start with the notion, does God exist out there as a referent that corresponds to this word God? A philosopher starts with the concept of God. So we have to start there. Does the concept of God exist? And the answer to that obviously is yes, because we're talking about it. Don't forget about whether God exists or not. The concept of God exists. And then the philosopher moves from that question to kind of like a number of steps down the line. So are you taking notes? Yes, I am. I'm sorry. I don't come off rude. No, I just got bored. I just suddenly was like, you've just taken out a pencil and paper. Right. You're going to like, yeah. yeah. And my keyboard's broken. So this is the most insane sound. I was like, philosophy is index of ideas, science of ideas. No, I'm no. taking notes, but I, if it distracts you. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. I actually thought you were maybe texting somebody or you're no. taking notes. <laughs> no, no. Um, okay. So the, the main, because what the main dualism in life is between mind and matter thought and being yes brain and consciousness right yes. that's the, even non-dualist copernican was it copernicus am i thinking no uh, oh, descartes descartes ah yes actually we'll bring him up because he's a good example of this is that even some non-dualist spiritualities i think they they assume the distinction between thought and reality so i have a friend who's a non-dualist spiritual person and he says our words do not correspond with reality when we speak of a rose we are not obviously talking about the real thing. Our words are disconnected from reality. Philosophy has always been interested in whether you can bridge that gap and how to bridge that gap. How does mind and matter interact? Connect. Right, connect. So that's, that's one of the basic questions of philosophy. And how do you know? Yes. And yeah. So that's the, and the two basic positions uh, gets very complicated very quickly, but it's idealism and materialism. Materialism is the mind is in the brain. Idealism is the brain is in the mind. Right. Now, nobody takes those basic positions, but that's where it starts. So philosophers want to get to reality, but they start with the concept. And Descartes that you mentioned, oh, go ahead. 
No, no, I was, yeah, I'm just, I'm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll mention Descartes and see if you've got any questions up to this point. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. We'll be we're so just going to take step by step because <laughs> we're going to, and by the way, a few things. One is this is going to sound mental, what I say, right? Whenever I articulate. Mentalist. This is going to sound, yeah, mentalist. It's going to sound crazy. Secondly, it's actually going to have nothing to do with theism, atheism, agnosticism, or agnosticism. Right. It's going to, those are all left intact. And thirdly, what I describe, I'm not going to show the working out. I'm just kind of giving a broad overview of, okay. a, of a journey that actually takes many years to walk through. But yeah. parotheology is the, the, the theory and the technology of walking through what I'm about to say. Great. All right. So Descartes, for example, starts with the notion of thought. I think. He says, I could be deceived about everything in the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there could be some all-powerful demon running everything, making sure that everything I see is wrong. I could be in a computer simulation. He didn't say that, but that's an Mm -hmm. equivalent. But he said, the one thing I can't be deceived about is that I think. If I think I'm not thinking, I'm thinking I'm not thinking. I think therefore I am. Yeah, so I think therefore I am, right? So Stole the punchline from you. Yeah, yeah, but he goes from concept to reality. The concept of thought to existence. And then Anselm is another famous example where he starts with the concept of God and then tries to say that the concept of God leads one to believe in the reality of God. It's called the ontological argument. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's it. Philosophy is interested in concepts. So the first question we ask is, does the concept of God exist in the world? And I think we can say, yes, it does. Because we talk about God. Millions of people talk about God. Mm -hmm. So the concept of God exists. So the second question is, does it necessarily exist? I.e., is, is the concept of God something that would have necessarily arisen whenever the mind got to the level of reason? Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So hmm. now, just, <laughs> and to define the word God here, um, it can also be called the absolute, the one, the universal. There's lots of names for it. But it's the notion of something that is necessary eternal, unchanging, essential. Mm. Um, So, Mm. and infinite. So the Mm. question is... Unchanging, huh? Unchanging. Now, this is kind of the first concept. This is kind of, we'll call it traditional theism. But is that notion necessary to any thinking being at a certain point of its existence? And without showing the working out, I would argue, yes, it is. You can't, as soon as you have a notion of the finite your mind is going to conceptualize an infinite. As soon as you look at everything changing in the world, you're going to think of something unchanging. As soon as you see that everything dies, you'll be able to conceptualize something that doesn't die. When you're scared of the dark, you want the light turned on. Exactly. And, that's, and, it's, and also, it's like you, can't, you can't think of up without down. You can't think of left without right. You mm. can't think of finite without infinite. Right. Now, that's a, just a very basic... So, Not without trying real hard. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be very difficult to do. So you could say that the concept of God necessarily exists. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. So, right, let's stop there for a second. Okay. Anything you Q&A wanna, time, Q&A, folks. Here we then, go. Because it's at this point that things go crazy. Yeah, right? yeah. That's the, that's the easy bit. There's the next bit well, that goes mad. I mm-hmm. have no notes except for my inherent skepticism about what your side of this Thing okay. or, I mean, I like the idealism stuff, but I'm a little dreamboat with yeah. that. But uh, speaking of dreams, um, a few things. 
here, okay. Pete, that I've noticed. Already? This is good? Okay. Yeah. Well, it's okay. not a critique in any way. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. simply wanting more information. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, first yeah. of all, um, you said that this came about, you, 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 you kind of glossed over the fact that you had a dream. Oh, yes. And then you woke up and now everything was sort of shifted into perspective. Now, obviously, I find that, as your friend hyper interesting oh, yeah. and fascinating and i would love to know more about the dream that might be a separate conversation mm. so i don't think it's necessarily relevant here yeah but i do think it's worth exploring and i'd be interested in hearing about it at some point yes if it's now great if it's later wonderful um <clears throat> you dove immediately sort of into the title of philosopher and the subject of philosophy yes however much like in i would parallel with many of the ideas you're talking about you yourself did as a person exist before being a philosopher mm -hmm. and therefore i think it might help to have some sort of an autobiographical lynch point to what you're you're talking about where what led you to being to wanting to become a scientist of ideas okay yes and why yeah that's a great question <laughs> and that, that led me then to my work, which is a kind of a type of um, philosophical therapy. It's a type of uh, parotheology, as I say, is a, is a theory and a, and a technology of transformation. So yeah, what happened to me at the age of 17, because I said at 17, mm -hmm. that's when it all kicked off, is I fully focused on the first concept of God. So when we're talking about, I say, like, this concept of God necessarily exists, the idea of an infinite, an eternal, all of that. I'd never thought about it before. Obviously, it exists in the back of your mind. I mean, 2 plus 2 equals 4 is an eternal idea, right? So th these ideas are in there. But at 17, I had a profound... <laughs> such a Freudian shit thing. <laughs> I caught it. That was truly... That was, yeah, it's an archaic idea that you sort of have rattling around in the back of your brain that can't possibly... Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's there. But at 17, it came into focus. And it came into focus through what we call a religious conversion. And that religious conversion put me into... Yes. No, no, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. This I'm just excited. Oh, yeah. This I'm like at a concert and I'm like cheering. Yeah. Don't pay no, pay me no mind. <laughs> so I had a kind of mystical experience and it, it led me into what I would call the first form of God, which is classical theism. The first concept of God where I, I really, I kind of walked around inside this notion of something infinite, eternal, unchanging, uh, something that um, is fundamentally different from everything I experienced in the world. Even rocks yeah. eventually, even planets eventually, you know, implode. And I kind of, I, I got to this point of really focusing on this notion of the absolute. And I lived within that for about five years. Um, comfortably. Comfortably. Bet between 17 and, and 22, 23, which yes, whatever. Yes, that was it. That was it, exactly. And I lived within that concept. Christian sort of version of this. Yes, classic first confessional Christian notion. Yeah. There is a singular monotheistic God who maybe has a long beard and eyes of fire. Like you, did you, you went that direction? Like you were like, because I did. I, yeah. I, I certainly believed that for a very long time. Um, and part of me always, of course, still will because it's a very resonant image in my brain. But at the same time, 
you you're you're saying that that's yes that's yes it was. So like that straight up of, god like what people think about when well, they think about then think about god yes exactly okay. yeah now there, there's a there's a form before that i would call it proto god the gods and the proto gods are like just bigger better versions of ourselves so the gods aren't eternal unchanging essential the gods are kind of like um you know, like the Greek gods, they, they, they get angry and they muck around, they die, they can fight, they, they all of that. But yes, and, but this notion exactly is the, is the uh, standard classical theistic notion of God as unchanging, mm-hmm. eternal, essential, necessary, an unmoved mover, mm-hmm. uh, an uncaused cause. That's what Aquinas calls it. Yeah. So yes, that notion and live within it. The fact that you can remember this, the, the names that these people <laughs> all have, and the I'm like, That's I can't 30 remember years of work. Descartes, yeah. Copern- I mean, I viewed them. You know, yeah. I see what they did, but yeah, okay. Yeah, you're starting off on this. I'm starting off, 20, yeah. I'm getting all my ducks in a row. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So, what happened in five years after? Exactly. Well, so this is the interesting thing. So this is just a concept. Remember, everybody's listening to this. We're just talking about concept, not whether something yeah, exists man. in reality. It's just the concept. The argument, but it, it was a reality for you for five years. Yeah, and the concept was a was was a absolute reality that I incarnated. I, I ate it, slept it. I, it was my mode of being. I completely gave myself over to it. 100%. It was as real as the the microphones and the yes, more you real and me sitting here because just, these collapse. Yeah, it was more exactly. real because this is eternal. What I was contemplating was eternal. Yeah, so all of this was nothing. Um, now, the idea, and this is where I, you know, this is where Hegel comes in, is that when you fully embrace and live into this concept of God, something happens analogous to a planet getting a greater and greater mass, becoming more and more unstable Sorry. and more and more intense, right? When you're living within that concept so much, it becomes so unstable and it auto deconstructs and then it collapses into a new form. Mm-hmm. So it collapses into something else. So classical theism into something else. I, broadly speaking, you could call it humanism, uh, new atheism or whatever. There's various names you can call it, but it collapses into another form. You said new atheism. Do you mean new ageism? No, new atheism. New atheism kind of can be play into this second form of God, funnily enough. Mm -hmm. That might be a bit, that might take us off on a tangent. I I think you're kind of, Talking around the sort of points where people go from, um, I used to be a Christian and now I'm a mystical person and I believe in the metaphorical yeah. power of Christ. Well, actually, I think that's the third stage. Oh, okay. I think that's the third one. I think the second stage is you find the internal contradictions of the initial form of God and you kind of embrace uh, uh, like kind of mathematics, science, uh, which is also about eternal things, right? Science yeah. is about things that don't change, right? So. You can, again, two plus two equals four in mathematics or wave particle geology or whatever. You're trying to find essential, eternal truths mm-hmm. in science. So it collapses in, the, in any way into something else. And then you live within that. You live within that. And then that becomes increasingly intense, that concept. And it becomes increasingly unstable. And eventually it, it implodes again into a third form. And let's call that third form the apophatic. The third form can be where somebody then begins to enter into a notion of there is something I cannot speak. There is reality, but reality is fundamentally beyond my ability to conceptualize and speak about, et cetera, et cetera. And then that 
gets so intense, it, 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 it's, it get the mass increases and increases, it becomes increasingly unstable, and then it implodes. Um, and this happens a couple more times until, and this is the very, this is the good bit, until the concept becomes so heavy, so intense, and so unstable that it rips through the concept into reality. Mm-hmm. And you tumble into reality itself. Just like a black hole rips through space and mm-hmm. time, the concept kind of unifies mind and matter. It unifies thought and being, and that's the last stage. And that ultimate intensity of God is called, Nietzsche called it the death of God. And when he got to it, he actually went mad. So that's how dangerous it is, is this concept of the death of God, the internal contradiction of God is so intense and so unstable that it can lead to, it's very, very powerful. But you go through this experience, and by the way, it's coming out in Easter, the death of God is the Easter story. You enter into reality itself. That's what parotheology is. In a nutshell. How is Easter thir- <laughs> Easter Sunday? Like maybe it's not Easter Sunday. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong. It's like the fourth Thursday of the month. There's no way. Aren't we? Well, just- no. I've just done the atheism for Lent, and it just finished on Wednesday, and it always finishes just before. But I saw East Happy Easter trending on uh, on Twitter, and so I was like, but I don't know if that's like an April Fool's thing, and people were saying that instead. Well, this is Easter week. This is the week of Easter. Is it? This is Easter week. Yeah. Well, that's why you would see Happy Easter. I haven't seen anything that's. We happy haven't seen Easter. anything. I don't go anywhere. That might be part of it. Yeah. Is it Easter? I'm going to look it up. Let's. You know what? Let's just say it might be better that it's not Easter. Yes. Uh, because people will be out doing their things, going to church. I hope <laughs> better. Uh, and to experience the death of God. But if it's Easter, that's going to kind of truly blow. That will blow my mind more than all these other gold things that you're dropping. That's one of your there. synchronicities. Is that one of your Jungian synchronicities? No, but I will no. say about one of, one of my Jungian synchronicities here, Pete. What you are um, <clears throat> talking about is paralleling a book I have been heavily reading. Uh, in this, I had this little gap between semesters, and I. Uh, I like to then read, like, I guess my ultra nerdy shit for some reason. But uh, the book I'm reading right now is Chaos. Have you read this book? Chaos, okay. The Making of a New Science. Uh, James Glick. So it's like Chaos Theory. Chaos yeah, Theory, yeah. all about that butterfly effect and all that. It's kind of the history of it, how it came about and the physics classes and how the mathematicians and the physicists, the physicists went through a divorce in the 30s and only got healed in the late 70s because they spoke different languages. Each was trying to talk to the other. It's a really fascinating like mm-hmm. to look at it from any kind of perspective but like specifically the Jungian perspective is very interesting. Yeah. But the whole chaos theory is really interesting because it, it is kind of it mirroring what with, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it does fit with Hegelian theory, chaos yeah. theory. Yeah. And it, I, I argue it would also uh, line up with a lot of Jungian stuff, but I haven't gotten far enough into it to make that claim. It just seems like it does. But mm. also this idea of a math becoming so concretized and then this thing sort of like you're saying implodes on itself. And that right. kind of is, I, I, from my understanding, it sounds like that's where this book is going with chaos theory. And it's really interesting. And funnily you bring up mathematics. Like this is not dissimilar from mathematics because mathematics, there's a whole debate in maths about is maths invented or discovered. Right. And um, I think philosophically, basically it's both. It's um, it's, it's just depends on which way you look at it. So, um, but like, but, the Heisenberg principle of uncertainty. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. 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 It's so it's like a parallax. Actually, the observer's angle has an effect on the outcome. Yeah. Or the observer's intention has an effect on the outcome, I guess. Yeah. So I think there's a way of conceptualizing mathematics in that exact way you're talking about is that it's discovered um, 
it's 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 invented when you come from it in relation to the mind, and it's it's in, it's dis, it's invented when you come to it from the mind's perspective, and it's discovered when you come to it from reality itself. Mm-hmm. But the point is, when you do mathematics, you at at a certain point you discover that mathematics seems to be written into reality, right? So you're using a pencil and paper, and you're just talking concepts, and you're writing these these random concepts, and all you're doing is relationships between numbers. And then you find that reality itself um, it seems to have mathematics written into yeah. it. Yeah. So this is a similar thing for Hegel. Is a pattern it's, recognizing and yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's the thing. Is is it pattern recognizing or is it the patterns are actually in reality? And that, that, well, if you would like, yeah, my yeah. answer would be the second one. Okay. Yes. Yeah. They're yeah they're hardwired into reality. Yeah. So that that's the move. And the reason why I say it's crazy is. So first of all, when people ask, does God exist? What they mean is, is there a referent called God out there? But this starts with just the concept. Go like, does the, does the concept of God exist? And you go, yes. Does it necessarily exist? And if you say yes to that, you go to stage two. And then do, does this concept of God undergo three or different intensities, becoming more and more unstable and intense? And then if you kind of go along that, then eventually, um, an existentialism, I think, is the last intensity. So when you get from classical theism into humanism, into apophatic, into materialism, into existentialism, eventually then you fall into reality. Is that the order it goes in, that, you think? It, yeah, that's my, that, it's very hard to put words on it or chronology. I would just, so you are right to kind of question that. I think those movements do represent them but they there's other up. names there there are other names for it yeah well what movement did you go through because you were it was so real to you you were in this stage one you're in your early 20s mm-hmm. something happens something shifts and you shift to this next thing yep um and now my second thing is is this subject of this podcast about the existence of god or the meaning of life or both because i'm down for it either, either. or <laughs> yes i what is the i guess it's about we don't have to god. name it either we yeah. can find out we What's can name that? it we can title the podcast afterward afterward yeah we'll find we'll find out what it's about at the end but it's kind of about both it's a, the, the argument i'm making is that God or the absolute or the one, whatever you want to call it, is a necessary, and this is what Nietzsche says, is it's, you can't avoid that belief. Now, you can't avoid it. You can hide from it. You can kind of like whatever. But You can literally but avoid it. You can kind of avoid it, but it's always out of focus there. And the idea is that when you enter into it, then you, the only way to end, the only way to overcome it is to enter into it. That's why uh, you know Shizek says the only way to become an atheist is through Christianity, right? Um, and Ernst Bloch says oh, that. And best, so one they, of the best quotes. Yeah, it's great. It's Nothing a, is more annoying than an atheist who has never believed in God, <laughs> but is still somehow weirdly passionate about it. I'm like, you got no skin in this game. Yeah. You you don't got you ain't got no scars. Yes, yes, that, that's exactly. Is that somehow you have to enter in, and even if it's not, it's not the. It might be the one or the absolute there's lots of different names for it but unless you kind of like pass through these stages you don't get to the point of the internal contradiction of the concept which is the death of god which is the concept becomes so self-contradictory that it enters into a type of quantum superposition and once it enters into a quantum superposition which is called the death of god in philosophy this quantum superposition reflects the very nature of reality that reality um, it has a type of yeah. quantum instability yeah. within it. 
Yeah. So that's how they link. That's Something's how they unify. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All this shit's crazy. Yeah. And that's, and that's therapeutic for me. It's like, that's what my work is about. And it takes years to do this, but helping people go right through that process until they collapse, they, until they experience this. Until they collapse. And they until they collapse. Into your arms. <laughs> yes. That's it. And then my work is done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I think And that's, that's the meaning of life. So that is, is, is about the meaning of life. Because the meaning of life is to flow with the quantum uh, uncertainty of existence. The ontological uncertainty okay. of being. I'm glad to hear you talk about this because it's interesting... I feel like in my experience in listening to you, a lot of it is based in the, um, and I think this is a hundred percent accurate and true and very relevant, but the Lacanian kind of language split has always been so unsatisfying to me mm. on a, even just a rational level. Like yeah. I'm not even drawn to it in like a romantic sense or a spiritual sense. I look, I think of it and I'm like, yes, of course, like that makes total sense. But it doesn't seem to be the full picture. Now, when I look at things like the very nature of reality, mm-hmm. um, then that contradiction becomes so apparent and so ubiquitous that uh, I, that leads me to, to a sense of freedom and happiness that's very nice. Yes. And, and, a, and a sense of mystery that I, I really much uh, uh, enjoy. I really yeah. much enjoy it. Yeah, really much enjoyed. I like that. And you know, and this is why I'm not a psychoanalyst, by the way. So although I use psychoanalytic theory, I'm a philosopher and theologian primarily because for me, Lacanian psychoanalysis is philosophical. Like the whole point of psychoanalysis at its deepest, and for me its deepest is the French tradition, right? Or whatever, but it mm-hmm. could be Jungian. But the deepest, the deepest tradition of psychoanalysis will bring you not to personal you know, you can affirm life more, you can work better, love better. It'll do all of those things. But that actually the, the cure of psychoanalysis at its deepest level is that you collapse into reality. You the, the, the sympt- you experience yourself having symptoms and then you realize that you are the symptom of the universe, right? So basically you, you experience contradictions in yourself and then you realize the universe is contradictory and you are the incarnation of the contradiction of reality itself. Yeah, it's weird that whole thing hasn't really taken off lately. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that since uh, Freud came up with it, it hasn't really taken off. Yeah. hasn't really got it. I'm sure it's soon. Yeah. Maybe it's their PR. I don't know. <laughs> they need a Twitter handle. Uh, folks, we're going to take a break for a moment. We're going to have a word from our sponsors yes. while we uh, pour a couple drinks. We just discussed mm. the meaning of life. We're going to dive into a moment in Pete's belief in God if he wants. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. But um, our sponsors for this episode, is the soft launch for the uh, fundamentalists Patreon? We are our own us. sponsors. We are. We are sponsored um, by oh, Elliot Morgan. You act like this is, We do this at Valley Folk all oh, the time. We don't sponsors, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is a great Patreon as well. But if you're interested in the conversation between you and Ford, uh, potentially building a community with people who are interested in this kind of stuff, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/TheFundamentalists. Uh, and we don't know what's there yet. I haven't entirely written it yet, mm-hmm. and it will look very bare bones. But we're going to do photo shoots. It's going to be really beautiful. And will you can we have? Eventually, do Patreon only episodes? Yeah, oh, absolutely. But they will also be available to the people who follow us, I guess, on the other things. No, no. Then we will lose people. Fine, yours. Yeah. Oh my. Okay. Okay. That's okay. As long as that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the Valley folk wants. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's me uploading fucking <laughs> fundamentalist episodes. Like, you guys want to hear about Hegel? Yeah. No, nobody. Idealism and materialism. I think they'll be, yeah, I think they'll do okay. They'll be okay with that. Yeah. But uh, very special episodes will include on the, the fundamentalist Patreon, as well as I was thinking we do movie clubs. Oh, That's yeah. a different idea uh, instead of book clubs because who has the time? Yeah. I don't. I truly don't. I, I'm, I got. There's so much to read, you guys. It's crazy. So there's a lot of books out there. Yep. Yeah. So I'm thinking we'll Pete and I will watch certain movies. We might choose a movie of the month. Like we might do like Promising Young Woman or something, and then do like a live stream about it, and then like really dissect it and get into like the different implications of it. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. But if you would like to hear more about that, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/TheValleyFolk. We will be with you shortly after that. This was the message. So we all pour more drinks. Yeah. And we're back, folks. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pete, for making me a drink. Thank you for buying the alcohol to make the drink with. You've bought me plenty. (laughs) It's okay. Um, Guys, so we were just discussing the meaning of life. Now, that was a lot to cover in the past half hour. We have since discussed what direction to take this conversation, because obviously there are many. We could dive into the sequential order, Pete referenced or just the the groups the group that he mentioned in general of sort of different structures of apophatic and all this stuff um i have a few questions and a few thoughts that i would like to reflect on and i would like to go back if you're comfortable with it to talk about the dream you had and how i'd like to start maybe at the end i would like Mm -hmm. to start at the end of the podcast and get right to brass tacks and go okay what was it First of all, if you if you feel comfortable sharing the dream, of course, please do. If but more than that, what was it that you what was the conclusion you came to following the dream that put your life's work into a a sort of strange focus narrative um, or story? Like, because I'm really really interested in that. Yeah. Because I think it's definitely happened. I also think this you've done very good things and very good work and you've made very transformative things oh, and the fact you. that you have freaking uh graphic novels like you you explore different mediums throughout your career um but it all seems to be pointing towards something that everyone universally doesn't know what it is and i almost don't want to ask this because i love the mystery of it and i think there's maybe even a mystery to you that might have been partially revealed by some kind of dream but at the same time i would like to hear you talk about that more the dream or the the dream and also what uh kind of what you what it was that helped it sounds like distilled it, unless I'm misreading. Yes. No, 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 no. Yeah, it absolutely clicked in a way that it hasn't clicked. I'd before. like to hear about the click yeah. mostly. Yes. And that was weird that it did happen. Um, it is weird that say this journey started when I was 17, and I had this dream on the last day that I was 47. And I do see this as having three stages, and I do see 17 to 27, 27 to 37, 37 to 47 being mm-hmm. the three stages which means I'm probably going to die in the next couple of days, if that's right. If, if all of this is right, and then I think that this is the life's work and I have the dream, then it would be very poetic. Well, if guys, this if is... you would like to honor Pete, you can go to patreon.com yes. slash the And he'll get 100% of it. He'll get uh, 100% no, of the No, no. Proceeds will go to benefit the Peter Rollins who... Foundation, and, uh, <laughs> we're, and I'm, the, I'm the chair of that. So anyway, yeah. yeah. Well, so the, yeah, the, and the, the three stages are 
the affirmation, negation, negation of negation. So from 17 to 27, that for me was the first form of the concept, which is the notion of an absolute, eternal, unchanging, necessary being. You fully enter into it. You fully give yourself over to it. You fully experience it to the point that you're, well, you, you, you die for that. The second is negation, which is you don't die for it, you die to it. You, it it's that you then uh, experience its loss, right? That you, it's complete destruction. What do you mean die to it? Well, it's almost like, you know, you, you give up everything for the absolute, and then you give up everything, including the absolute. So that's the negation. The negation mm -hmm. is, the affirmation is you give up everything for the absolute, and then the negation is you give up everything, including the absolute. You enter into the dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. You enter into the nihilistic uh, uh, moment, the cloud of unknowing. So that's 17 to 27. And then what you do is you negate the negation, which is called the death of God, which is not you go back to the former mm -hmm. belief, but that you see in this negation an affirmation. You see within this loss something positive and that's the latter part of my, and that's all that all clicked into place rebirth rebirth it's resurrection yeah. but it's um it's the death of death it's not life death mm -hmm. life it's life death death of death and one way of saying it is this is like say you think there's some sacred object that will make you whole and complete that's the affirmation the negation is going i can't ever have that i'm 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 separate from it i'm unhappy maybe in the next life i'll be part of it but i i'm separate from that thing and then the death of death is where you go, oh, that doesn't exist. That, like, that, what I think is sacred and absolute is itself self-divided. Mm -hmm. That's the idea of God experiencing the loss of God, that reality itself is divided. So the thing that I think, whether it's the fame, the money, the relationship, whatever it is, meditation, whatever I think will fix me, that's itself divided. Mm -hmm. And then that's freedom. Because then I realize, oh, life is about feeling a lack and the oh. enjoyment and the the, embra the the meaning that comes out of that. Oh, this ain't that bad. It's, yeah, it's in fact, that's what makes life meaningful. Huh. If you got everything you wanted, life would be melancholic. Life would be like Brave know. New World. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I haven't had that experience. That, yeah. uh, no, I have. Uh, yeah, well, you have probably. Cause all the time. You've, you've uh, had times <laughs> where you've got the thing, haven't you? A few uh, times you've got the thing. That, yes, and yes. it's always a nightmare. Yeah. It kind of has its own... And, and even if it doesn't collapse horribly, you can end up feeling just very melancholy. Yeah, I mean, that's this. I, I, I like the uh, I like the way you're describing this because it sounds very narrative and, and very, uh, dare I say, a little mythological. Yeah, a little, it is like, a mythological. You kind, of, you kind of view your life in a way that makes yourself not always but mostly the protagonist and you just do your best but at some point you have to recognize that your little freaking hero's journey isn't going to go anywhere <laughs> and you're not going to like be happy and you're not going to like be you're not you're not going to live happily ever after ever right. and that is a sense of freedom to be able right. to be like okay now you get to like give like your whole the, now you get to go do something else you get to make you make, get to make meaning out of the inherent meaninglessness yes. that you can often feel and 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 you asked about dream like i can't remember the dream i had the other night but i can't remember a dream i had when i was i think it was 27 and i had a dream and this is true this is <laughs> where um i was in a place called the Wandsworth Road in Belfast, that's the dream. And then I, 
I experienced this, this, this cloud in the dream, this is the ascending cloud, and then I experienced God telling me that he doesn't exist. God said to me, I do not exist. And that for me was a, a monumental insight into the nature of reality. Not, not that God exists or God doesn't exist, but God says that God doesn't exist. That is a kind of quantum event. And, and, and that was very, very significant in my own. I'm like weirdly moved by it. I've heard this dream before, but the first time you told it, it really bored me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but truly, like that's such a, because, you know, there are, I mean, if you were to imagine just for a moment, just hypothetically speaking, that your dreams are not necessarily just offshoots of whatever, but you have something going on there. Um, and you were to look at the trajectory of your life, um, it would seem to me, it's an interesting idea that maybe you had a dream that was almost prophetic in uh, what you continued to do in your professional career, which was to help people dismantle their oppressive beliefs in uh, in, in, in a God yes, uh, or in a religion. And I think that it's very interesting that you had a dream that kind of seemed to point you in that direction or um, almost give you a thesis statement. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a good thesis statement. And, you know, this is why... Yeah, you got, yeah your whole career was wrapped up in that dream. I know, I know. It's crazy. Wait a minute. Your whole thing just comes from a yeah. dream. <laughs> Three words, I do not exist. From God. Said God. Five <laughs> words. Five words, yeah. Uh, that's it. But there's a reason why... You had that dream for real? Yeah, yeah. You're not yeah. making that no, up? I'm not making that up. That was very... And, and I had the dream before, like 10 years before I could understand it. Like, I didn't have the, I didn't have the conceptual tools to understand it but it's stuck with me yeah and uh and, and eventually over 10 years i kind of like i think i got to a point where i where i understood it but it's this is the reason why the majority of people who actually enter enter into my work as a practice not just are interested in it to listen to stories about shamus that i tell or whatever but people who enter into it as a practice are often people who went really far into religion like it's not it's not a coincidence that the vast majority of people who are into my work were the type of people who would have sold their house, would have cut off their arm, would have burnt their record collections in order to um, kind of satisfy the desire of the of, mm -hmm. of God, um, who would have ultimately almost, like I, I've just been watching a documentary about Heaven's Gate, but the type of people who would have been prepared to even kill themselves for, yeah. for their beliefs those are the people who because they have so incarnated they have so walked within the concept that the concept became so intense so unstable it implodes into a neutron star which is beautiful but also i would love to know if i had a bird's eye view of all of reality how many people you kept from some kind of crazy shit <laughs> that would have been really dangerous for them or others, because I imagine the number is more than most. Like I bet you've, I bet you've helped a number of people 
uh, not fall into the total batshit craziness of so. like religious thinking, which is very nice. Except but, for me, and here I am. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, this is the because I think if you do this journey on your own, you can. It, what can happen is the Nietzschean experience. You can go mad. Now he probably went mad because of syphilis, but um, but still, it can't drive you yeah, mad. I've gone mad because of mushrooms. It yes, happens. it happens. Yeah. But my whole point is that to go through this experience, you need guides, you need friends, and you need rituals. You can't go through this experience of the death of God or the cloud of unknowing or the dark night of the soul without, without uh, rituals and friends and a community of sorts and all of that stuff. And so a lot of my work is just trying to make sure that people aren't alone so that they can get through this yeah. to the other side. Are we just nerdy weirdos, do you think, a little bit? <laughs> like, what? what's the deal with, like, um, what's the deal? With airplane, uh, airplane hey, food. Hey, what's, <laughs> what's the deal with uh, the people that are just, like, fine? Yeah. Like, they're not, probably. Or they're boring, which is different. Yes. Or it boring comes out in other ways. Damnation. So I know some people, like here's a, an anecdotal. Boring is evidence. its own damnation. I'm going to repeat again that's only because I really Oh yeah, like God, that's good. That could be the subtitle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not giving you the title because it's my birthday, but I'll it's give you birthday. the subtitle. Um, you know, I, I know some people who, they're, they, they, they get through life, it's fine. But what happens is if you don't, if you don't go through this intensity, it comes out in other ways. It comes out in heart attacks. It comes out in in explosions of aggression it comes out in addictions now i'm not saying all addictions or all heart attacks or but what i'm saying is that it's almost if you can't if you can't consciously go through this journey unconsciously it will bite you in the ass yeah yeah that's that's what i would say yeah and you don't deal with your symptoms your symptoms deal with you thank you yeah nice that's uh, a very nice uh, way of saying it i also would say that people i think who uh there's another side of it, I think, that's less dark in the sense of heart attacks and whatever. Yeah. I also think there's the other side where you're fine, things are going well, you live a very chill, fun life, and still there's something lacking and missing. And I think that uh, the, the process of imbibing your life with meaning is... Or DMT. Or DMT, same, but but all all roads lead to it. You know? uh, but it, it is a it is a skill. It's something that you can choose to do that adds value to your life, if not a lot of pain. And I think it's very beautiful. Yes, it is. And yeah, it, yeah. Okay. No. We, okay. No. Okay. Okay. So let's. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So I feel this is great. This is like my birthday treat. This is my best birthday treat. And Daniel, by the way, thank you, Daniel, bought me a beautiful breakfast. I told you he bought me. He went this to the restaurant lobster. and he said, "Get me it, as much lobster as you can get." And they brought all of this lobster. And I said, "Oh, this is amazing!" And he said, "I'm allergic to lobster. You're going to have to eat it on your own." I think he just wanted to buy me something absolutely extravagant, yes. and um, it's the most expensive breakfast I've ever seen. <laughs> um, it sounds dumb. Yeah, but uh, wonder, it was wonderful. Not yeah, a hundred percent my kind of dumb. Yes, it's the it's a Vegas thing. It's a Vegas thing. Like it's, you it's go, exactly like, it's your kind of dumb. It's yeah, exactly it's like your 11, kind of dumb. Let's go get some crab legs. Like it's stupid stuff. <laughs> uh, so what's interesting to mm. me here, Pete, mm. among other things, all of it's incredibly relevant. But you talked about this dream that you had at seventeen. Yeah. No, no, that that dream happened around twenty seven. Twenty seven, whatever. Integer of seven. To, yeah, yeah. 
or whatever. Uh, you had a seven and then another seven. You have this other dream. But you can't remember the most recent one. Yes, well. Now, but yet it allowed you to put things in perspective, perspective. somehow. So I'm curious about that. It, yeah, no, you know, it, that's, that happens occasionally. I think for lots of people is if you go to bed with a, with a, with a question. So I, had a, I, had a, I was troubled. I was like, what was the disconnect in this conversation I was having? Why, where was the disconnect? And, I, and, the, and then I went to, to sleep. And yes, I can't remember the content mm-hmm. of the dream, but I woke up and I was like, oh, because I'm talking about the concept of God. And he was talking about a referent external to the concept that the concept corresponds to that was that was the content of the dream where i was like oh yeah that makes sense and then i was like oh that actually would help me articulate um why people always find it hard to wonder to work out whether say for example me but any philosopher believes in god or not is because philosophers start with the concept but i do think the concept and this that's the controversial you didn't start as a philosopher I didn't start, no, in fact, I came out of school with no qualifications. They weren't even going to let me do GCSEs. They thought that I didn't have the ability to... Jesus Christ super extras? What is it? GCSEs? So GCSE is what, what would you call it in America? It's what you do to do A-levels, but I don't know what... So, I don't know what an A-level is. What are you so A-levels are what gets you into <laughs> university. How do you get into university? AP classes. Right. So A-levels are the equivalent of what gets okay. you into university, but then GCSEs are what gets you into A-levels. Okay. Right. And I and they thought that I didn't you have didn't the ability have to do GCSEs. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah. Look at it. So it's not even the ability to <laughs> Maybe do the Maybe go exam. be a to get it. Yeah. It was, it was, so they said like I should take a. They were going to send me into what's called um, city and guilds, which is to learn a trade. They thought I should do a trade, which I would have very much enjoyed. Um, but I only discovered philosophy. Yes, a lot later on. All right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that leads me back to my question, Pete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Here we go. I feel like this podcast, and thank you all for being here with us. It really is thank fun you. for us. And if uh, you're not enjoying it, I get it. Yeah. Cause, like, <laughs> truly. Because we are here this. We have to drink to I, get honestly, through this. Honestly, exactly. I, I find myself so obnoxious that I have to have some gin. But I do have... A, this is what we love more. Like, honestly, it's so fun. This, this is the thing. Like Fun podcast, you know. It's the best podcast. Uh, In fact, we haven't even monetized it till today. And has it been two years? We, we don't do know this? if we've monetized it today <laughs> at all. <laughs> Technically, uh, we should. Okay, even in maybe. the future. We yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's my question. Because yeah. okay. I feel, okay. I, I see you as a friend and someone I care about very deeply. I also see you as a brilliant person who understands. <laughs> a very sad individual. <laughs> very sad. Well, that's, and that's a third point. Uh, no, not a sad individual. I see you as someone who I think has a very firm grasp on what you're talking about. Now, the problem, most people in my life have firm grasps on what they believe and think. And those grasps are not necessarily good ones. No, no. Yeah. No. They could... They, no, yeah, 100%. Yeah, they're not good ones because a lot of people have absolutely no real, like if they follow their firm grasp down to its like the tightest grip part, they will find that there's nothing there. Like mm-hmm. they don't know why they believe that. They assume right. it's not, it's hard, it's easier to go like that. Who has the time? I have all this stuff going on. Why do I need to worry about it? However, I almost feel like you in knowing so much and being so smart about it are able, and I don't mean this as an insult, uh-huh. but you can kind of skirt 
for a little bit. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a direct question. Please. Do you believe in God? <laughs> okay. So a philosopher starts okay, with the Okay, philosophers. Concept of I don't care about it's philosophers. The, there's a science of the concept. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah. Hegel. Uh, said, uh, yeah. But, you know, this most, I will say this, actually, that was a joke, but the, the, the true answer. That was a good joke because you got me for a second. Uh, yeah, I, like, I did you get you for a, a second. You son of a bitch. But I, I will say this, and then you can push back and ask me again because I don't want to be a politician. But is it genuinely, in philosophy, most questions, when you dissect them, the solution is the the question dissipates. And I think the question, does an external referent called God exist? is just the wrong, it's it's logically an incoherent question. It just doesn't go anywhere. But the question of starting just with the concept of God, which we can all agree. I mean, even someone like David Hume will say, it's not a concept, it's a non-concept. No, it's to say something's infinite is not to say something. It's He's to doing say it again. You hear this? He's doing the whole thing again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, but anyway, so but I do think that the concept of God brings us to reality. It brings us into reality. So I yeah. almost, if, if you're asking me the question seriously, which you are, I yes. will seriously say that I think, and this is controversial, but that we can have an insight into the nature of reality. And, and so the difference can't... I'll take it. Okay, yeah. So Immanuel Kant would say almost that we are ultimately, there is a part of reality that we ha- will never access because we're constricted by language, by thought. Beca- but I think that if you realize that thought is the universe thinking itself, then you can realize that thought can give you access to reality itself. But it takes a lot of work. You have to go through the different intensities of the concept mm-hmm. and that takes a lot of work and and most of us don't want to do that work yeah but and it's very don't valuable have the time and you yeah. get you know you're living your life yeah um i love that answer is that right yeah no i really do uh i mean i will of course filter it through my own Jungian ideas and mm-hmm. of course it does align with them whether you like it or not <laughs> yeah. uh, and so, for, for people who are watching or listening is like this is going to be what this is going to be the great divide and the fundamentalist is Elliot's very bridge. drawn to Jungian uh, to Jung and I'm very drawn to Freud Lacan yes and, and I heard be- it once said recently by a professor uh, who was previously had been mine uh, that um Comedy is very attractive, uh, or, or, or uh, depth psychology and union psychology is very into comedy. Um, they appreciate comedy very much. Tragedy tends to be where the Freudians live. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> our like, that's our play. Oh, I was like, that's oh, our sandbox. That's perfect. <laughs> uh, so it's gonna be a fun little interplay. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, mm. I would venture to say, not to put too fine a point mm. on it, I think we could both probably land on the idea of not believing in a singular monotheistic god that uh, is is has a white beard and fiery eyes. I'm assuming you don't personally believe that. Not that you would ever need to prove it, but I don't think your your heart in your deepest core still has an unconscious. Well, no, okay. But what I would say, what I would say is that mm. I think that concept is a necessary concept to go through. Now, not well, it's an archetypal image, Pete. Yeah, obviously. It? It's a, absolutely a shedding of the... But it can never comp- at all encapsulate the totality of what we're talking about, which remains numinous and mysterious throughout our lives. Well, no, because I'm not saying that, remember? Because I, I know, I put words in your mouth. I can, we can have access to the reality. So, <laughs> but, but, but what, yeah, you can have access to part of the reality. No, you can... You can 
penetrate into the very ontological core of the universe itself. I mean, that's very egotistical, Pete. <laughs> yep. Um, but you know what? I, yeah, I would say, see the concept that you're talking about. See the concept that you had when you were young, right? Yes. This is why I deeply respect religious people, right? Because... They're closer I, to the truth. <laughs> yeah, because because in a sense, I think by by fully entering into the idea of an eternal, necessary, non-contradictory, essential reality, that leads to if you have the courage to the destruction of that, which leads then to the destruction of that, which leads to the implosion of that, which leads to the ripping into reality itself. And my issue is a lot of people I know, I'm not going to name any names, but they give up on the religious notion of the absolute. And then they have lots of what's called ersatz absolutes. They then get into, you know, psychedelic enlightenment, polyamory. They get all of these kind of, fame, money, whatever it is, basically another thing that that will have the answer, that will bring fulfillment and completeness, because they haven't they haven't entered into the absolute ex the dark night of the soul, the absolute rupture of of that very notion. So my thing is um, you have to, you have to almost tragedy. start, start where you are. You start <laughs> with that eye. You, you imbibe it. Sounds like a lot of yes. tragedy. In fact, by the way, atheism for Lent that I do, the whole structure of it is every week you, you imbibe through reflections, you imbibe each form of the absolute, and then you imbibe the next week, the destruction of the first form, and then you imbibe the, the, the destruction of the destruction of the next form. And you go through all of these until you encounter the quantum reality of existence itself. At patreon.com slash the fundamentalists, we're going to have what's called theism for Lent. And mm. uh, we're going to, over the course of time, learn how to believe in something that is just a basic level of intelligence outside the universe. Then we're going to narrow it down to a God. We're going to narrow it down to a religion. And you're going to have to cast off all of your friends and loved ones in order to, uh, to experience it. But the, and then and then that's the first step, and then we'll, you'll destroy that, we'll lose destroy all that. the friends we'll that you made again. with that, and you do it again. That that's the problem. That's why it's a it's a multitude of deaths. I have to say it's a multitude of like orgasms in the sense of little deaths because it's orgasmic in the sense. What of it's, orgasms are you having? <laughs> well, these are these are these are three ontological orgasms that are both incredibly amazing, and then of course, just like an orgasm, a little death. And these are so you think, Pete. Let me let me back okay. this up. You can pierce into mm-hmm. the absolute reality yes. of existence. Yes. You've never met a gorilla in your life, uh-huh. but you get reality. You've never swam with dolphins, to my knowledge. I not to my knowledge, no. You've never <laughs> walked on the moon, but yes. God, you can get it. Yeah. And you've never seen Mars. You've never been up close to Jupiter. You don't understand a lot, but you yes. can pierce into the veil of it, and therefore it can completely, re- it can completely remove the idea of a mystery beyond your human capacity for thinking. Yes, but there's ne- there's different names for it. Every most disciplines now have got so 
In politics, it's called democracy, which is the non-at-oneness of the political body that produces change. Evolution, yes, evolution is the name of the non-at-oneness of reality itself within biological organisms. Yes. Incompleteness theorem is. Wait, wait, wait. The non-at-oneness of biological organisms. What do you mean? Yeah, so organisms uh, are have an internal type of like uh, conflict and change, and they adapt, and they kind of they're, they they random mutations, transmutations. Yeah, so they mutate. Like if an random organism, if an organism was purely kind of at one with itself and at one with the environment, nothing would change. I think if an if an organism was even at one with the environment, it wouldn't even be at one with its internal environment. It would, you know, Ooh. various. If we, well. You know, the, the evolution. I don't know about that. Okay. <laughs> well, well, in, in, weirdly, because the environment is internal and external. Environment is even like an animal that's stronger. Even if the environment doesn't change, if if one animal is stronger than another, then you know that on an individual change. level. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But evolution happens on a generational level, so you yeah. can. Uh, I mean, generations of organisms can live in harmony with their environment. Yeah. Over time, of course. Yeah. So yeah. Well, that's that's right, true. But there's 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 an interesting kind of like um, I would say kind of antagonism within biological yes. systems. Within mathematics, it's called in Gödel's incompleteness theorem. Within or chaos, yeah. Okay, yeah. With or chaos theory, within within psychoanalysis. Freudian psychoanalysis, maybe Jungian, but is the the unconscious. Within physics, it's called wave particle geality. Yeah, yeah, of course. I I think all of these things you can't get beyond. Like, I think these are... No, you can't get beyond because they they lead to... And eternally, we'll always learn more. But each of these disciplines are gradually coming to the experience of the death of God. Yes. Yeah. Chaos theory is 100% that. Exactly. But I wouldn't say that that is the... like. uh, penetrating reality? Yeah, I don't think that's penetrating reality. No, at you all. wouldn't, because you're I think a Jungian. You think re- reality? You think reality is uh, is at peace, at one? No, no, I think it strives well, toward. See, it. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying. No, no. I'm trying to draw him slowly. No, no. I love the fact that you love Jung, but I'm going to try and, of course, draw him slightly no, away it. from it. You've been doing it. I see it. <laughs> I'm not an idiot. I, I, I don't remember <laughs> names, but I'm not an idiot. But, yeah. but, I, but 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 Jung is drawn, as you know, to the idea of balance, harmony, yin yang. Okay, Jung, of course, was, because mm. Jung was a madman. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I got to tell you. I got to yes. tell you. Uh, okay, this uh, is totally a plug yeah. for the, This Jungian Life, which is a podcast I was recently on. Okay? Oh, I, I haven't listened to that yet. I really want to listen to it, that episode. Well, who yet. knows what I, I haven't listened to it either, but um, I was there when it happened. <laughs> uh, but um, so I think they just, they're, they're, they're discussing something right now, and I'm so excited to listen to it to the point. One of the hosts, Joseph, he has a voice that just sounds like a bedtime story. He's, mm. a, he's a wonderful... Uh, that whisper thing? What's yeah, that called? very yeah. just like, yeah. hey, yeah. hello. Um, and he emailed me, and he's like, you might like this episode. And I clicked on it. Dude, okay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Jung was... And we're going to get back to the subject in a second. Jung... I guess there was like a bookshelf, right? Oh yes, you yeah. Hear about this? Where a book fell? No, 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 oh, no, 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 no. Not the that. noises no, no. and the whatever mm-hmm. and synchronicity and nothing was gonna happen in thirty seconds and blah blah. Yeah. Like recently, like publishers are vying for this. Oh, story. there's an unpublished book. No, oh, no, there's not an unpublished book, Pete. What they found in Jung's one of Jung's bookshelves was a hidden collection. Guess what do what does a little boy hide behind 
all their other books. It's porn? Yeah, it was erotic stamps of milkmaids. Wow. Well, Listen we've to all this. got our thing, right? We've yeah. all got our thing. And and they're diving into like the archetypal stuff, I assume, and this and like all that. And it's beautiful and wonderful. I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. But my God. The moment now from now on, anytime you say anything derogatory about Jung, I'm gonna go, Yeah, that dude collected milkmaid stamps. Hot milkmaid stamps. Oh, that's stamps of hot milkmaids. Milkmaids, Pete. You see it. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> you get it. motherly. <laughs> we don't need yeah, to go yeah, into yes, it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's but also it's kind of humanizing in the same way. And it's very like of course they found that in there. He was a crazy person. It's kind of the most boring type of porn. Because you know Paul Tillich? They, he had a porn collection that was alphabeticized, but his porn was, was much more hardcore. Really? People yeah. got a real porn thing going on. Well, yeah, you, you think? I mean, it's kind of like... It's booming. Yeah, sexuality is kind of pretty core yeah. to our... Not, not for you as if a If porn was Bitcoin, we'd all be... Yeah. Pretty rich right yes, now, if we didn't right. own. Yeah. If Bitcoin is Bitcoin, is Bitcoin doing quite well? I can't wait to learn about these milkmaids. Um, okay, so I had so many thoughts about what you mm. were saying. Um, I can't remember exactly because I've been drinking a little bit. But I, I'm starting to drink, so we're going to start making less sense from this point on. From I this point like, on. Yeah, yeah. So it's all off the rails Maybe now. stop listening right now. Maybe stop listening. Um, okay, so... Okay. Do you feel that you've got a clear vision of what I've been doing in my work? Because um, before you, if you want my honest impression of it, <laughs> no. I think you have a very uh, smart and conscious uh, effort at play to not dis- to not play your cards. And okay. I will never push you to to be like, come on, tell it, because I think that dissolves the power of, in, in my opinion, what you do. Okay. So I'm not trying to do that. However. Uh, I'm still like trying to wrap my head around this idea that that. Do I believe in God? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that I get, no, but yeah. I, I do still think you're a materialist. But I don't understand how, based on the stuff that you describe. Like I don't understand how. I think if you, I at least I would say this. I think okay. the door is open for you still. And I think we've talked about this. The door is open for you to believe in something beyond your own inner brain workings. Like, I personally don't believe that human consciousness was necessarily an accident. I don't believe it's just an offshoot of stuff. I think it's where we are. Even in, even the way you describe the stages that you go through in these belief systems, you say it requires courage. It requires an courage. effort of will almost. Yes. And therefore, yeah, it makes will. me wonder that all really sounds in line with evolutionary theory that when you, the survival of the fittest, that if you continue to try, you continue to do effort and dive into these things, you will at least experience transformative things that can make you a better, more well-rounded person. You can imbibe meaning with life. And yet I'm curious as to why it seems like you choose. I, I still think you have all these doors open for you, but you do tend to, to go down the specific philosopher i'm detached i am but a scientist i am objective in this but i know you're deep down not because if you weren't you wouldn't be in this field in the first place because secretly listen i have this difficulty of describing what i do because at the end of the day i'm not a philosopher as i'm not a professional philosopher i'm not a anything i i i'm trying to you're not no i don't teach in a university i've never taught in a university i've literally done like 
one or two modules ever of teaching ever in a university. Um, I know I completely never wanted to, never went that direction. And, and I do a movement. I'm trying to, I'm trying to set up a, a movement. So, yeah. so it's a technology, it's a practice. It's a practice that I'm interested in is, you know, so, um, it's a practice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, you to walk through this experience. Um, and it's, it's not philosophical. It's not, merely intellectual i want people to go through and experience this and then ultimately get out the other end and have and it will change economic life political life personal life like it has a benefit to the very way that we live in the world yeah it is really interesting man i mean i love uh what you do is is wholly good like in well, it might opinion. be terrible it might be wholly bad i don't know but it's just what, what no I, I think you know i mean i think people know i i wouldn't go all like Oh, who knows to say? <laughs> like, I think it's a very good thing because you you have intentionally drawn people in who, as we were talking about before, I think would be otherwise really swept away by like really dangerous things that can hurt people and, and hurt themselves. And I think that that's very good when it comes to the fun aspects at the, the, the you know, um, actual nature of things. I'm curious what you think. I don't know. I don't know how I can get on board with the idea that you could actually pierce the veil of reality. Yes. I can understand glimpses of reality. To to think I could understand all of reality seems up no. too far for me. No, that's totally right. Like, there's no end to what we'll discover. Absolutely no end. And actually, every time a science gets to its own contradiction, it kind of develops into maturity. I would say so. Physics is 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 going crazy at the moment. I mean, that's in incredible insights. But quantum mechanics was a deep um, development within physics, just like evolution was a deep development in, in biology, just like you know uh, incompleteness was a deep insight into mathematics. Or, and democracy was the politics was the first one. D democracy was a deep insight into the non at oneness of of, of political life, mm -hmm. um, and then obviously psychoanalysis. So. Um, it's not that it kind of. It's not that it gives you an insight into everything. It just gives you an insight into one thing, and the one thing is, oh, lack and incompleteness is what generates meaning, beauty, life, and reality. And by the way, on a very personal level, it means that we realize that our fantasy that if I work hard enough and I make enough money and I can retire by the beach would actually be horrible. Because if, if I was able to get rid of sacrifice entirely in my life, I would get rid of meaning. But also life is ter terrible because I sacrifice all the time for other people. Other people take the value of my sacrifice, surplus value. Can we think of a world where we sacrifice and we all benefit from the sacrifice? And that is a vision of how society could run well that has sacrifice based within it. And also we all benefit from the sacrifice. So there, ha that that's an insight. You're, it, it, not to. It sounds like you're just describing, not to be too cheesy, but it sounds like my concept of love and specifically romantic love yes. is pretty much exactly that. Like you sacrifice and you sacrifice, and it's exhausting, and it it, it actually serves the purpose of both individuals. And then if there's, yes. if you're both doing it, then it's even better, but it's yes. a constant state of, 
I would just make a distinction because I like I think that's no. exactly right. <laughs> no distinction. I'd rather life. you didn't. As a philosopher, I would rather you did, or a, yeah. not as a not philosopher, I would rather you did not make a distinction. Yeah. No, I, please. I, yes, I'm going to use a distinction that Todd McGowan uses, but between romance and love, where he says like romance, like romantic movies, are all about getting over the sacrifice. So the no, movie is yeah. you sacrifice. No, love is just your gift. Yes. But love, yeah, love movies are where you realize that the sacrifice is what generates the meaning. Mm-hmm. Romance is still the fantasy that I'll sacrifice until I get to the end goal yeah. and have it. So, we, but love, the work of love, and Kierkegaard called it the work of love, is the work of sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got you give and you give and you give, and and then, and then you think you're going to be filled in, and that's romantic love. And when you realize you're not, that's actual love. That's actual love, and that's where meaning comes in because you realize, oh. It's in the failure to ever be complete, but in the work of love. That's why Kierkegaard called it the work of love, because it's a work. You, love exists within the work of love, but the, within the work of love, there is meaning and beauty and joy and meaning. You're talking about this guy? Oh, there he is. No way. That's the man himself. That's the man, yeah. He never had any photos taken and virtually nothing drawn about him, so that was a, actually a caricature drawn of him. And now he's on my socks. A paper that he didn't like. Sometimes <laughs> I feel like the people I most admire, I just make mockeries of. Yes. But he would like that. Yeah, he, uh, like maybe that. he would. I don't know. I like he'd, so. probably find, he'd find probably find hope in the lack or some shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I love all of this, Pete. So... Uh, have we, does does, have Pete, we answered the question I'll of the meaning of life? I'll summarize it. I'll summarize it. Okay, you it. summarize All right. it. All right. Uh, yeah. Pete started out, he wanted to talk about the meaning of life. But in doing so, naturally, um, despite being slightly materialistic, he imbibed spirits throughout it, which is an intention. interesting unconscious sort of um, manifestation. But we won't get into that right now. Throughout imbibing these spirits, he talked more and more about the ideas of reality and how we can actually penetrate reality. We talked about the mystery of reality, and we also talked about his idea of believing in God. Now, Pete's idea of believing in God has, of course, evolved over his life, almost on a trajectory uh, that could be termed mythical. It has had many positive effects on people and probably prevented some crazy people going totally crazy and I think he deserves some credit for that and I think that deep down Pete uh, still keeps a door open I, I think Pete keeps it one eye open a yes. little bit about uh, certain things I think Pete is not one to go there's nothing and we're all gonna die I think Pete goes we can't know anything and then we're all going to die. And then in that not knowing, he is, allows himself to keep things open. Is that a little correct? That's a good. What I would say, but is that I think that, that I moved from my early work, which is we have to embrace doubt, complexity, and uncertainty about reality, to doubt, complexity, and uncertainty is woven into reality. And I'm saying the second now. So my, I began with the apophatic. Not began, but my written work began with the apophatic. You know you got to define the word again. Oh, apophatic, mystical, the mystics. One of those words that I just... Yeah, just the mystics, the idea of the God is beyond understanding. But so the apophatic can traditionally be doubt, complexity, and ambiguity is important because we cannot know reality. But then the existentialists would say that doubt, complexity, and ambiguity are actually woven into reality. Yes, Yes. and the union, post-union might say doubt, complexity... And all these things are get boring after a while, so you got to have something else to go <laughs> yes. for. By the way, also a thing that we are unified in is I, I know I 
you're don't right. say I'm. We're not unified in anything. You know, I'm just playing games yeah. with you. I don't no, give a shit. I, <laughs> I really like. I really like your your critique of going like you know. There's a materialist dimension to, to my thinking, but I would say actually, in some respects, I am an idealist. I'm a, Ger- a German idealism is the philosophy that I'm most impacted by. So we maybe I may be more idealist than I sound. I'm you know I, I may sound like a crude materialist. I'm not. No, really. I don't think you are at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think we both enjoy. It's about the conversation and having fun with these things and being able to take to hold it truly lightly. Yes. It's not that hard. It just takes a lot of getting over yourself for a second. Yes, I almost said the f word, but for some reason I know I, I like the way you stopped yourself. Yeah, God I, might be listening. Like just get over yourself. <laughs> whatever, believe whatever you want to believe. It's fun. It's nice. Just know it's never going to, you're never going to be right and you're never going to be totally happy. All right. Oh, so, and, and if, can I do a plug? Please. And if you're interested in these ideas, I have an online festival that's happening in May that's all about looking at this through philosophy, music, and all of that. So check out Wick. I just wanted to say And that. if you are a member of patreon.com slash the fundamentalist, you, you can get a discount, which is... We haven't worked it out yet, but gonna it's going to be a discount. $20 and that's discount. a $20 discount, folks, right now. <laughs> have to make that uh, happen. If, yeah. it, if, it, if it's not there when you look, it'll be there yeah. very quickly. And we're talking yeah. about this lightly, but we're actually pretty... <laughs> I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Pete's very excited about it. So please join it if you get the chance. And Pete, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank Thank you. It's wonderful to share it with you and share yeah. this alcohol with you. And uh, you know, you your birthday is one of my favorite birthdays, second only to your own uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. Who? Um, yeah, that's Christmas. That's my favorite uh, favorite holiday. Do you believe in God? <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, bye.